at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Chief Executive Officer, Financial Advisor, Justin Klein. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Tuesday, February 28th, 2023 edition. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm excited for this hour to talk to you and answer your finance and investment questions. And as always, give my straightforward and unbiased answers. And today was quite the volatile day in the market, the up early, down late. And this is kind of what uh, can be expected. A lot of choppiness uh, in, in the marketplace over the past, especially the last four or five months or so, really since the October bottom. And I think a lot of investors are confused, but make no bones about it. This is a different market. This is a market that uh, is not predicated on low interest rates. Right, it's a it's a shift towards a new era, and our main focus point is uh, in regards to that, uh, which we'll, which we'll get to. But my goal here is to help you navigate this changing market environment, and take advantage of the right opportunities and avoid the pitfalls because there are a lot of pitfalls in the market and in the in, in the endeavor of investing, and just because you don't feel them. At certain times, doesn't mean you aren't taking that risk. And new risks are emerging, and that means new pitfalls tend to emerge as well. So my goal here is to help shape your thinking in order for you to become a successful investor. So I encourage your participation. And you can give our anytime listener line a call right now at 888-99-CHART with your finance and investment questions. We have a lot of material to cover on today's show, which is number one, our focus point, which is about reshoring. And could reshoring be the theme for ETF investors going forward? Now, in the mid-2020, or in mid-2020, reshoring and onshoring or nearshoring were mentioned in the quarterly earnings calls of around 180 different U.S. companies. So we're going to look at that theme and where we are, both near and long term. And time permitting, I also want to touch a bit on uh, some other topics as well, which we're going to uh, get get to. Uh, I have them up here, but uh, we'll see if we have time for those. Now, I also have your voice bank questions. One is on corporate bonds, another is on Amazon, and some iTunes review questions as well. So I've got this all planned for today's episode of Invest Talk. But as always, most importantly, your live calls are a number one at 888 chart Now let's check in on the market today. Today was a modest down day. That's what I would call it. We were up early and down later in the day. Closed the U.S. market down about a quarter percent. Small caps were down 0.03%, so barely down on that front. Uh, smaller mid caps definitely outperformed. And yeah, it was just kind of a, 
a, a pause day after yesterday's uh, pretty green day overall. So that was the market today. Now let's go to our first listener question. And it's Sid in North Carolina. He's looking at Freeport McMoran FCX. Hi, Justin. Good evening. Thank you for taking the call and thanks for the wonderful show. No yeah, I do have FCX in my portfolio along with uh, X also. And both of them, I am sitting more or less around 30% of profit. Mm-hmm. But uh, looking at a uh, lot of volatility, which you just mentioned, right? Should I hold uh, for a long time or uh, just take the profit of the table? If you could give me a guidance for FCX as well as the X both, that would be great. Thank you so much. Sure. Now looking at uh, FCX, Freeport MacRan, and US Steel X. Now these are very, they're in the same metals and mining space, but two different commodities or and products, copper and steel. I know they sound synonymous in a lot of ways, but their dynamics of their, the supply dynamics, I should say, and de- demand dynamics are, are, are pretty different. Now I like Freeport. I call Freeport the Exxon of the copper space. Now they do have some exposure to gold and and other minerals, but mainly their revenue is derived from copper. And so their business is going to ebb and flow with the price of copper and the copper price has been done pretty well recently. Uh, You still have low inventories of copper overall. And to me, this is the largest safe, safest name in the space. To me, it's not the best name in the, in the copper space, but it's, the safest name because it's the largest, well-diversified, et cetera, $68 billion market cap. I would hold FCX. I have no problem with it. Now, X, on the other hand, U.S. Steel, very different story here. This is a U.S. This is U.S. Steel. This is a, a, a steel producer, and its business is up and down all the time. And I've done, we've done deep dives on the space, and U.S. Steel, well, it's pretty good, better than the average steel company that you can buy. There are a couple others in North America that are head and shoulders in quality above it. Um, so I would be looking at competitors to U.S. Steel and ones that have more consistent long-term profitability. I can't tell you what they are because I can't sit there, sit there and recommend them to you, but I would do a deeper dive. Not a name, like I said, U.S. Steel that I would own longer term. I'd rather own some of the competitors. So uh, one pretty good. The others need to be shift, traded out for better quality name. Now we're moving into a break, but it won't last long. On the other side, I will take your live calls on our anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Justin Klein is here and ready to take your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Now, my main focus point concerns the story behind this question. Could reshoring be a theme that investors need to pay attention to? Now, in mid-2022, reshoring and onshoring are, or nearshoring were mentioned in nearly 180 quarterly earnings calls. That's a lot. And this is backed up by a recent statement by the world's largest asset manager, which is BlackRock. And they basically said, that they named reshoring the top theme to watch in 2023 in its thematic outlook uh, uh, report. 
And they talk about the convergence of demographics, technology, and geopolitical change. And I've, I've been talking about this for a while, uh, but it's something you really have to pay a lot of attention to. And what's most interesting about this is that it, it changes the dynamic of our economy and something that most everyone's not used to. You know, a lot of people are very uh, are used to the tech sector being weak, the housing sector being weak, the financial sector being weak, and the economy being okay. You know, because those three sectors have been greatly reliant on cheap cost of capital, low inflation. And what's interesting is that I kind of almost call it the from a political perspective, a blue versus red economy, right? The, the tech sector, the finance sector, which tend to, you know, politically lean more blue. And then you have the manufacturing sector lean more red, right? The industrial sector lean more red. And interesting enough, right now, the red part of the economy is doing much better. And what you're seeing here is after really a half century of globalization where companies benefited from higher margins, it supported consumer spending habits, it opened up global opportunities for trade and investment. Uh, all of this led to the famous book by uh, Francis Fukuyama, which is called The End of History, basically saying, hey, this is, this is the, the fighting that we had for uh, hundreds and thousands of years between factions is slowly going away because of that globalization. And what you've seen recently with U.S.-China relations and obviously the Russia's invasion of Ukraine, all of that is reversing in a major way. And we're becoming a more bifurcated world. And countries and businesses increasingly recognize that they need to build resilience into their supply chains. And that geopolitics can really impact especially access to key resources like energy. You're seeing that what that's happening over in Germany and their access to cheap natural gas from, from Russia. Now, Societe Generale's cross-asset research paper recently estimated that as many as 350,000 new jobs were created last year in the U.S. because of reshoring of manufacturing. That's a multi-decade high. Now, in mid-2020, reshoring and onshoring, like I said, were, were mentioned in 180 different companies. Countries, countries, companies, reports. Now, and that's that's gathering pace, uh, and the global international trade is actually now trending lower, and it's at a, it's at a declining pace you haven't seen in five decades. And there's some other themes to look at as well, not just manufacturing. Obviously, clean energy to a degree. Now, remember these. Themes, you don't want to just invest in them blindly. You don't say, oh, manufacturing is going to benefit, and so I'm just going to go buy manufacturing companies. You have to look at valuation. You have to look at which ones are going to benefit the most, which ones are going to have headwinds along with tailwinds. You really have to do a deeper dive. And oftentimes when things are, are, are too talked about, they become overpriced. So don't take any of these kind of themes and say, oh, I'm just going to go buy them. Think of this as a jumping off point for your research, okay? So clean energy, 
Obviously, there's there's money with the Inflation Reduction Act going there. You also have Semiconductor and the Chips Act, $280 billion to support R&D and onshoring of, of chip manufacturing. Right now, only 12% of semiconductor chips, chips are manufactured here in the US, U.S. That's down from 37% back in 1990. And global companies have announced more than $350 billion to build chips here in the U.S. And then automation. That's another one that is, I think, probably one of the biggest because our demographics, while they're not as terrible as Japan or, or, or China or Russia, we, we still have uh, an issue uh, where our labor supply is going to be relatively constrained. That's why you're probably going to see unemployment remain relatively low. And so those, those companies are going to invest in automation to kind of make up for the higher wage, wage pressures. Okay. So I think automation is a big one that's underappreciated amongst all of this onshoring uh, theme. Uh, probably number two would just be straight up uh, industrial production and manufacturing in, in my mind. And then uh, chip, semiconductor chips would be number three because I do think it's going to take time. Remember, all of this is going to be a process. This is not going to be done overnight. It's going to probably take five to ten years for this uh, this process to, to really take shape. Okay, And you know, Apple's already moved production over to places like uh, like India, but still, next year, 90% of their hardware are going to be produced in China. So they're having trouble moving away. So it's not something that's going to happen overnight, but it's going to be a consistent process over the next decade. Now, the next invest talk, the story behind this question: Is it possible to balance the books for Social Security? We're going to talk about that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your question live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. 
Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One of the most rewarding things I do each weekday is host the Invest Talk podcast. I truly enjoy helping investors, and I know that every question counts and every answer I provide will be unbiased. You, the caller, get to chart the course for each Invest Talk podcast. Call with your questions anytime, day or night, 888 99Chart. Hey guys, just wanted to get your thoughts on Amazon. I'm only 29 years old, so I'm looking to buy it and hold it for about the next 30 years. Just love to get your thoughts on it for a long term play. Thanks. Love what you guys do. Well, Amazon is obviously a, a very interesting and powerful company, and they did well for a long, long time. But going along with the theme of this show, they are they were a huge beneficiary of globalization and cheap labor in their warehouse, uh, delivering items, etc. And that allowed them to launch something like Amazon Prime and deliver products in two days. And, and obviously, they still can do that. But you can see with their recent earnings report, where they only earned three cents, down from $1.39 in the fourth quarter of 2021, right, down 98% in earnings, that this is an environment where they're not going to do quite as well. So there's always a valuation that makes it reasonable, but they're supposed to make $1.53 this year. $2.50 next year, but both of those estimates are coming down. Okay. Just not cheap enough in my mind. And that's why, you know, the, the longer term themes for Amazon are not in their favor. But to be reliant on the vast majority of their business coming from the ease that comes with Amazon Prime. Retail revenue is about 80% of its total revenue. Now, Amazon Web Services, which is a cloud computing service, storage, database service, et cetera, that's about 10 to 15% of the revenue. And frankly, that's the most profitable part of their business. And will probably benefit from more tailwinds versus headwinds. Once again, 80% of the revenue comes from that retail side. And so if you look at its total, let's see what it's trading at. Enterprise value EBITDA about 25. It's pretty high. Now forward looking, that's much better. It looks much better. 
but that's forward-looking. That's based on estimates, and those estimates continue to come down. So Amazon has to be on your watch list, but it needs to improve technically. It still remains in a downtrend, making consistent lower highs and lower lows. And the earnings picture has to start looking better, not worse. I want analysts to be upgrading its earnings expectations, not downgrading it. So overall, I'm going to pass on Amazon for now. Uh, just not a great entry point at this point. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch on your standard deduction. We are coming into the end of today's the last day of February. Remember, February is a, it's a fast month. It, it comes quick and, and it ends quick. And that means we're six weeks away from having to file your taxes, six, seven weeks. So let's look a bit at some changes, mainly to the standard deduction that you're going to take or not take on your upcoming taxes. Now, for 2022, the standard deduction was 12950 for single filers. It was 25900 for married couples filing jointly. But that's been upped. So this year, it's going to go up to 13850 so $900 increase for 2023 for, for single. And 277 which is about an $1,800 increase for married couples, which, which makes sense, right? Now, taxpayers that are 65 or older, and you're... You actually get an extra standard deduction. I don't know if you knew this, but fifteen hundred for twenty twenty three. If you're a married couple filing jointly, that's up hundred bucks from the fourteen hundred last year. If you're single, it's going to be at eighteen fifty, also up hundred dollars from last year, seventeen fifty. So I don't know if you knew that. There is that uh, interesting wrinkle there. Now ninety percent of filers now take the standard deduction because of the the tax. Uh, law that passed in 2017, the number of filers who itemized their deductions dropped to about 15 million in 2021 from 47 million in 2017. So huge difference uh, in that. And this allows you to write off things like uh, your charitable donations, state and local taxes, medical expenses, mortgage interest, all of that. Uh, so you want to, I, I always say, if you have a very straightforward tax return, you are a W-2 employee, you don't own a home, you, you just rent, you don't have a lot of other assets, filing it yourself, TurboTax is just fine. Once you start owning a home, you have a little bit of complexity to your life, typically paying a CPA uh, is, is a leg up for you. So uh, think about that as we head into tax season. Let's go to Dan in Concord. Wants to talk about gold stocks. Hi, uh, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, um, yeah, I was calling about both um, gold and oil. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a couple of positions in, in each, and I was wondering if this is a good time to add on. Yeah, we actually added on uh, some some of the, the gold names in our portfolios today. You had a nice uh, bullish day off some major support. So we, we like that space uh, overall. Uh, we don't think rates are, are really going to break out. You had rates come in a little bit today and reverse really from the highs. So that's always a, a tailwind for gold prices. The, the dollar was strong, even, but the gold was actually up on the day. So uh, that was a nice little, uh, uh, nice little change of scenery after this recent pullback. Overall, the, the technicals on the, the miners remain, remain fine. Uh, obviously, a strong pullback from the past couple of uh, about past month or so, uh, but nothing 
has changed that uptrend. Uh, that uh, remains since the lows back in September. So we still like those. Uh, the energy space that's been a bit more volatile, uh, and you know, but but overall an uptrend. So I, I think I'm fine with with both. I'd be buying them on dips. Great, thanks very much for your help. No problem. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk review on iTunes, we'd like to thank them for the courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. JDC Auburn says I came across two possible Ukrainian stocks that seem to be undervalued. Epom Solutions, originally a Belarusian company, but now headquartered in the U.S., offers software solutions, and WAB, Westinghouse, W-A-B, seems to have all the contracts to provide fuel for Ukrainian nuclear plants. So let's look at these. Here is EPOM Systems, outsourced IT and lifecycle software. Interesting. Okay. The technicals don't look great. The It looks uh, a bit expensive in my mind. Growth is certainly slowing. A year ago, revenues are 50%, earnings are 50%, but last quarter, revenues up 11% and earnings up 6%. So does it deserve a high multiple when you're headed probably towards some sort of earnings contraction? This year, earnings are expected to be only up 4% and those estimates continue to come down. You know, my In my mind, no. Right, price sales at uh, 3.7, not terrible, but certainly not cheap. Enterprise value EBITDA right around 23, still pretty high. And the technicals are poor. Mm, not a fan. Yeah, not a fan at these levels uh, until there's some understanding of where earnings are going to level out at and growth is going to level out at. Okay, so interesting one to have on your watch list. I like that it's in the software space. I like the margins and, and the, the profitability uh viewpoint i just don't like the valuation so one to keep on your watch list and the other one was what was the other one Pull it up here. oh yeah wabtech so it's interesting that you say this not wabtech westinghouse westinghouse air brake tech that's the name of the company now and you're saying that they supply ukrainian nuclear plants but I don't think that's the case anymore. Uh, I believe from my, look, uh, uh, Kamiko, company we own, they bought Westinghouse's uh, nuclear business and out of bankruptcy. And now WAB is just simply a pure play on the braking systems for trains. And now you could say there's a different catalyst there where you have the crashes in uh, East Palestine, Ohio, uh, as well as the rest of the country. Uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, rolling back regulation uh, a few years ago. I think it was about four or five years ago where uh, they allowed more rail cars with the same braking system. They allowed hazardous materials to be shipped alongside non-hazardous materials. So kind of a mixed use cars without any upgrades to the uh, braking system. And so the question now is, because of these re- recent spat of, of train crashes, will that will that bring a different calculus to the risk versus reward of investing in better braking systems and, and more regulation around the safety uh, in the industry? And, and that could be a catalyst for Westinghouse air brake technologies to get a lot more business. So that would be a catalyst for me. And uh, if you want to, but if you want to play. The uranium space, the nuclear space, you're going to be wanting to buy a company like Kamiko. All right. So I hope that helps on both fronts. 
Now let's keep things moving and pivot to the Vostok Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier from Minnesota on 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Long-time listener and caller from Minnesota. Love the show. Thank you guys for everything. I have a quick question. In my portfolio, I currently do not have any REITs at all, and I'm considering diversifying out and adding some in the volatile market we're having in. I've been searching around, and I was wondering what you think of VNQ. It's a REIT that contains REITs, I guess, in a couple different sectors, and pays a decent dividend and has had some growth. So I'd be listening and hoping to hear your thoughts and opinions on this REIT and what you think about it. Thank you. All right. Well, this is not a REIT. This is an ETF that holds REITs. Big difference there. So understand this is the fund. This is the Vanguard Real Estate ETF, VNQ. It's one of the largest REIT funds that's out there. $34.7 billion in total assets. Yields about 3.5% uh, based on the current price. And you're right. You're getting diversified exposure to the REIT space across different, different aspects of the real estate market. So if you're looking to add exposure there, this is one of the best kind of low-cost, broad-based uh, exposure that you can get. Uh, very liquid, very easy uh, to buy and hold and collect that dividend. Now, is it the best REIT ETF out there? I'm sure you can find ones that are that are probably uh, a bit better, have a, a better mix of, uh, of, of exposures to real estate sectors that uh, you might like a little bit more. But once again, this is it's large, it's broad-based, and will probably work work for you if you're trying to gain exposure. And I don't think it's a terrible idea. They tend to be pretty good performers in an inflationary environment. Not the best, but better than average. Now, this is Invest Talk. We're happy to report we have now achieved over 50 million downloads thanks to you. And we will take another question next. So hang on. Mark your calendar for Wednesday, March 22nd from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time. You are invited to a new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar, Value Investing, Positioning Your Portfolio for Profitability, Relative Price, and Dividend Payments. Be sure to tell your friends and family members about the new KPP Financial Wealth Webinar. It's free, and you can register now at investtalk.com. Hi, Justin or Steve. I wanted to get your opinion on Merlogen, ticker symbol R-G-E-N. I was thinking of picking it up after earning the picks and shovel play on biotech healthcare uh, sector, but it seems like it's still pricey. If you could take a look, I would really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. All right. This is Repligen, Repligen, R-G-E-N, about a $10 billion market cap, develops consumable bioprocessing products for the life science and biopharma industries. And last quarter, revenues were flat year over year. Earnings were down 16%. Earnings supposed to be down 17% this year. It's supposed to re rebound next year. But those estimates continue to go down, trading at a very high multiple, 50 times uh, earnings. Even if you go based on next year's earnings, you're still talking 40-ish times earnings. Uh, no, I, I, I really don't like this name because of the space that it's in, right? It's, yes, when there are, there's a lot of R&D within the biotech space, they're going to do well. But 
they have, that R&D money has to come from somewhere. And when times are good, when money is cheap, those biotech companies have a lot of money to go and play and do their R&D and try to you know, make their next medical breakthrough. And companies like Replogen are going to benefit from that. But when the cost of capital is higher, and instead of those companies consistently getting funding, a lot of them are going to go bankrupt. Or, their cost, or, or, or if they can raise capital, it's going to be at a much higher interest rate. And so more money is going to go towards interest versus spending money on R&D, for example. And when they raise capital, they're probably not going to raise it, raise quite as much. So in a tougher funding environment for the biotech space, this is not going to do very well. And then you add on top of it that it's in a high, it's trading at a very high multiple. So I'm going to say this is actually, I think this actually looks like a pretty good short, to be honest with you. So if I wouldn't do either, wouldn't buy this or I wouldn't short it. But if you had a gun to my head and you said, you know, will this be lower or higher two years from now? I'm definitely going to say lower. Thanks for the call. Now, I wanted to just remind you all uh, that we are giving away 50 free annual subscriptions to our premium newsletter to celebrate our 50 millionth download, all thanks to you guys. So that's what we're giving back to you guys. Uh, there's a lot of ways, there, there's three ways you can uh, basically enter. They all have to do with uh, liking and mentioning uh, some people on our uh, socials, so Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So if you want to head over there, you'll see the instructions and you can enter to win a free year of our premium newsletter. Now we're heading into our final break, so give me a call now at 888 chart Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hello, Stephen Justin. This is Paul from Germany. Congratulations to your 50 million subscribers. First of all, I'm very happy for you guys and I'm very thankful and I appreciate the work you guys do. So my question today is about corporate bonds. I would like to apply this question on Microsoft specifically. Um, the stock makes around 6% of my portfolio and it pays a uh, dividend of a uh, little over 8% and it's up like 50% since I bought it. So the question is like, would it make sense to take some profits and reinvest it in the bond of the same company? I saw one expiring in uh, March 6 in 2027, yielding 3.3%. My question is basically, how does it work? Do I get the annualized yield plus my invested capital back or does that depend on the share price at the moment I sell? My assumption is that tech stocks won't overperform the coming years considering the midterm market environment and that's why I'm looking for a way to maximize my cash flow 
And uh, I hope my question is not too complicated and can be answered on the podcast. I'll be looking forward to hearing the answer and thank you guys for all your help and congrats once again also for the community you guys build. This is the number one platform for me when it comes to investing. Thank you. Bye-bye. I appreciate that those kind of words. And you're looking at Microsoft. You're, you're up pretty decently, it looks like. I, I, I wasn't quite clear on how you're, you're calculating this, but... You know, I think the main question is, should you sell out some of your Microsoft stock? Is uh, the bonds a better buy right now? Well, you're looking at the 2027 bonds yielding about 4.6%. Not great. You know, I think there's better opportunities in the corporate bond market than that. Uh, you can get a six-month treasury and get 5%, right? So... I don't love that. I don't love that that alternative. You know, I would say I would I do think it's a time to reduce your position on Microsoft. I'm I'm kind of somewhat down as I am on a lot of the large cap tech space, especially the the tech software companies that are tied to businesses who are laying off a lot of tech workers that use Microsoft products for example. So I would be trying to lighten your load of and your exposure to to uh, to Microsoft. But I wouldn't necessarily just go to the bonds. Um, and what you're going to, want to look at is not just the the, the coupon rate, because the coupon rate can be very different between different bonds that you're looking at, even different bond issues of the same company. Right? Where Microsoft, that one you're talking about, is a coupon rate of 3.3%. But if you look at something like the ones that mature in August of this year, the coupon's 2%. And that yields maturity is about six and a half. So very different there. So you want to look at total yield. Yield to worst is what you're going to look at. Look, want to look at in the corporate bond space. Now let's see if we can fit in one more question. Hello, this is Travis from Houston. I'm calling to inquire about Nokia. In OK, wanting to see if you guys can discuss their recent rebranding and strategy. I'm hoping this is going to kick up some life and be a good investment. I believe their PE is quite low. Please let me know your thoughts. Thank you, long-time listener. Appreciate all you do. All right, this is Nokia. Yes, Nokia. Now, they don't really make phones anymore, I don't believe, but most of their business comes from selling telecom equipment and services to the big wireless companies like an AT&T, like a Verizon, uh, etc. And... It's still about a $26 billion market cap. So good company. But it is trading at a low multiple, but that's probably for a good reason. Their revenue and earnings growth is pretty muted. muted, uh, And their technicals don't look great, to be honest with you. So, you know, I don't get excited about this thing. Uh, It does look cheap, but I think it's cheap for a reason. So I'm going to pass on I'm Justin Klein. This is another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. And we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can find anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking. Shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. 
Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 